Oh, she's done it. Brilliantly executed. Incredible stuff. The whole family are watching on in anticipation. And yes, there's the final nail in the chicken coop. Dad's been promising to build for a decade. And don't the kids just love it. Coming in for the final turn. He's gone to the left, a little bit to the right. Dodged the hills, boys. Grass clippings flying in his wake. Precision mowing doesn't get any better than that. They've really set their sights high for this one. A pizza oven, water feature and a new deck all by the end of lockdown. But is it too much too soon? Only time will tell. He's a do-it-yourself legend in the making. Welcome to the sport of gardening. Here's your host, Dale Vine and Jay Neal. And welcome. So good to have you with us on the Sport of Gardening. Yes, I am Jane Neal. Dale Vine is with me in the studio. Week of school holidays, Dale, although your kids are really little, so have you survived yet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, none of them are at school, so it's just the same for us at home. It's uh, just people like me with uh, kids in school who are going, what? We had them home for 10 weeks and they're still on holidays now? (laughs) Yeah, she's got them in here today with us, so be quiet, kids. (laughs) No, no, leaving them at home so we can seriously talk about landscape about gardening. We've got some great guests coming up on the show, including a person I would have to say, in my mind, is sort of the first celebrity gardener that I can ever recall on Australian TV beside Don Burke. Absolutely. And I am talking Jamie Jury. Yep. He is going to join us because not only has he sort of taken things back and moved to Australia, decided to really base himself here after many years, just absolutely nailing it on the TV scene in the US. Yes. But he's actually a bit of an environmentalist. He's got a passion project on the go. So we're going wow. to find out about that. And we're also going to answer a crazy paving question from one of our listeners okay. who has been admiring your work on Instagram, oh, Dale. very good, yes. So, listeners, you can jump on at Viney D, Dale's Instagram, to check out uh, the project. You've sort of updated us over the last few weeks, but when I finally saw your stunning crazy paving, I was very impressed, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes up good crazy paving. Um, so, yeah, no, I can't wait to see what the question is. Okay. And we will also be giving you a couple of recommendations as how you might keep the kids entertained mm. in the garden during the rest of school holidays. But now it is time to welcome a man who I know Dale will have seen play many, many times. As we do each week, we try and check in with a sports person or someone who has perhaps taken to the garden during COVID-19 lockdown. He is a former AFL champ from the Western Bulldogs and Essendon. In 2008, he went down in footy history when he won the Brownlow medal. He's now a radio and TV broadcaster. He's a dad and he's very partial to growing a mullet. (laughs) I speak of Adam Cooney. Hi, Adam. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you, Jane. How are you? Oh, look, we're excited to be speaking to you because I had no idea that you were a little bit of a, well, I'm going to say green thumb. You might dispute that, but you don't mind getting out into the garden and doing a bit of work yourself on the old property. Uh, I'm disputing heavily the concept of me being a green thumb. Plants, not my go, but uh, I am or have recently moved out uh, just about 15 minutes out of Geelong. So we've got about two and a half acres out in a little town called Batesford. Yeah. Which has a ro- which has a roadhouse and a pub. Yep. And that's about it. So there's plenty of work to be done around here. Oh, very good, mate. It sounds well, like a great town because if you've got a pub and dim sims, then I think you're fine, Adam. Yeah, exactly right. They've got nice fried chicken in there as well. So they I'll do. get all out. Yeah, I know. They the do a good brekkie as well. Very good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm from Geelong, mate, so I'm just down the road from you. I've done plenty of work in Batesford. 
nice. It's a good spot. Hidden gem. It is a hidden gem. Okay, so you bought two and a half acre property. What did you have to do to start off with? Because that's that's a fairly large undertaking, Adam. So what did it look like when you did settlement and what does it look like now? Fortunately, the house was fully renovated. So uh, no one had lived in it post-renovation. So everything inside was brand new. I didn't want to touch anything inside. So... I don't, I don't even think they turned any of the taps on, to be honest with you, because oh, wow. the first couple of days we, we used the kitchen, um, some of the pipes weren't done up properly and we sprayed water everywhere under the <laughs> sink and I thought, what am I getting myself into here? But they just they just hadn't done the, uh, the pipes up tight enough. So uh, house inside was immaculate, which is, so we ticked that off. But, yeah, she's fairly overgrown um, outside, so... There's a, a lovely little thing called carpet weed, which is which had overtaken pretty much the whole yard. Uh, it had grown up the fences. Uh, so we've spent about probably 12 weeks, uh, three or four hours a day, getting carpet weed and trying to clear the place up because you can't get a whippersnipper uh, on a wire fence line when the carpet weed's grown up it, so you've just got to rip it out by hand. Yeah. Well, oh, go. wow. So it actually grows like a real mat. Is it really sort of dense? I'm not familiar with it. Oh, it's dense, all right. The good thing about it is once you rip up the root, it sort of it does roll up like carpet. Yeah. So, But it gets it gets pretty heavy. We've got oh, one fence line about 150 metres long, and it was just grown out about three metres on the other side of the fence line and all up the fence. So yeah, wow. that took majority of the time. You get through about five or six metres a day and you're knackered. In the industry, mate, we just call that a green wall. You pay, you pay good money <laughs> <Yeah>. for that. <laughs> no, I don't like it. I'm, it's funny. I'm a, I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to weeds and trimming now. Yeah, I've I, seen... In my old house, we, we come from Newport, so we, we had a 600-square-metre block and I had artificial grass out the front artificial grass out the back and my garden beds were rocks so yeah, right. i had no maintenance whatsoever <laughs> i've never used a whippersnipper before i've come down here it's been a bit of a contrast i just learned to whippersnipper uh adam and i found it very liberating did you feel the same <laughs> oh it's just it's so therapeutic i just love the satisfaction of just getting a nice clean edge and then just going around everywhere i can do it for hours i was actually thinking about starting my own whippersnipping business because Basically, footy and whippersnipping are, the, are my two loves. Yep. <laughs> oh, mate, look like you um, got a bit out of control with the whippersnipper with the, with the latest couple of haircuts you had there too, with the mullet um, growing <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus style. I, I really enjoyed uh, it. It's funny. I moved out to the country and then cut my mullet off. It usually goes the other way around. Absolutely, it goes the other way, yeah. <laughs> Batesford, mullets. down to G-Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's get, mullets everywhere. You get in for free in Batesford with a good mullet. <laughs> now, I hear that your oh, lovely God. wife had some issues with your manscaping and the mullet had to go. So is there any resurgence on the cards or not? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I'm at a point now where my hair's uh, falling out instead of growing. So that was sort of my last-ditch attempt at a groovy hairstyle. You usually, you usually uh, get an extra couple of years just out of the back, though, Coons. I reckon you could... <laughs> Even if you went a, a bit thin on top, you could still grow that. But it's a, it's a good mullet, Jane. Takes a lot of investment. It's a lot of time to grow that. Yeah. You usually grow the whole lot together and then just chop the front and, and top short. Yeah, it did take a lot of. Uh, it took a lot of um, work actually. To, you wouldn't think it would take much work to grow a mullet, but and the stairs that you get, people automatically think you're a bogan and. 
Let's be honest with you there, correct? They are correct, yeah. <laughs> it was luscious, I must admit. I, I had to restrain myself from running my hand through your hair sometimes, Adam. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're not the only one, don't worry. You'd I? have a good mullet, Jane, if you just chop the top chop. Yeah, yeah, thanks. That'd be a great move for me, wouldn't it? Hey, um, Adam, I heard that you're building an entertainment area and a deck on top of a hill. So have you got a bit of a view down there as well? Uh, yeah, well, we're building a few things at the moment. I'm halfway through my man cave. Nice. Which uh, we've done. So we bought when we bought it. We had an original shed, uh, but all the hardwood beams were rotting up the top. So and it was all the corrugated iron at the back and the sides was had holes in it. So uh, it rained. She was pretty wet in the shed. So we replaced <laughs> all the um, we replaced all the beams. We did all the sides of the shed. Um, we did the roof, and now I put my floor in for my um, for my man cave. So that was one project, and our other one is. Yeah, we've got a so three quarters of the block is flat, but our back corner is on a fairly heavy slope. So my neighbour's got an excavator and a bobcat, so he just cut a few um, semicircles really out of the hill. Yep. And we've got to put some retaining walls in there. Uh, we've yep. cut it to four different different levels. So at the top will be just a bit of a deck and a couple of Cape Cod chairs we'll put out there for me Cape and the Dale just chairs, to sit and yeah. watch the sunset. Yep. Um, and then we're going to have a golf green on the second level so you can hit up onto the hill onto the golf green. Cool. Nice. And then third level will be entertaining area with a little pergola and barbecue area and then fire pit at the bottom. Beautiful. So uh, plenty of work to do. I the, like- the area that we're, the area that we're um, doing at the moment that we're looking to landscape is about the same size as my old block in <laughs> Melbourne. So it's a, it's a pretty decent space. I didn't really... Um, I didn't factor in too much in terms of budgeting, but I reckon mulch is going to cost me about fifteen grand. Yeah. <laughs> you need to meet Dale because I reckon he might have a few uh, little contacts yeah, down well, in Geelong. That's it, mate. <laughs> when you uh, when you get that man man space a hundred percent completed, you call me and I'll come out and have a look for you. Yeah, uh, sounds good. I've just got to get it insulated and then. But um, yeah, rocks aren't. Rocks aren't cheap. No, they don't grow on trees, those rocks, do they? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, um, I was going to go with pink mudstone because you can get a nice line um, with a retaining wall and it looks really neat. But um, I reckon, because we're going to have to have maybe close to 80 metres, I reckon, Mm. of retaining wall. That's going to blow the budget out. So I might have to just go and start digging in the backyard for rocks. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, how? Kids adapted to moving from the middle of Melbourne down to the property. I've I've heard that there's some chickens, guinea pigs, and there's possibly a pledge to buy a pony. Are you seriously going to buy your kids a pony? What are you thinking? <laughs> uh, well, they were absolutely filthy when they found out that we were moving out to the country. Yeah. So that was a it was a bribe to my girls to try and keep them on side that we'd get a pony. We've got enough room in the back corner for a pretty decent sized paddock. Um, we've got a little shed back there as well. So um, I'm trying to put it off as long as possible, but they hound me sort of every day. But, no, they love it, the kids. Uh, Evie's our youngest. Here. She's eight, and she does it all. She gets out in the garden and um, is digging, and she feeds the chooks and takes care of the guinea pigs. Yeah, so nice. she's amazing. Um, a young fella's happy because you can still play PlayStation down here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, saw, I've seen the little half court you've done for basketball. That looks pretty cool out there. Yeah, that was that was his bribe. Yep. Uh, he's 12, so loves his basketball. Ticked off, yeah. <laughs> he said, if we get the basketball court, I, I don't want one unless it's got a regulation three-point line. Oh, right, oh, yeah. Get, wow. Yeah, it's, about, the... it's, it's, 50, it's 
15 metres uh, wide, so which is a standard basketball court, and about nine metres long. So just under half court, but that was one of the conditions to move him down. Yeah, wanted to sink those threes. The um, mm. Hey, Coons, the uh, best part about Batesford, uh, do you get into Geelong much or do you just scoot around and just go straight to Melbs? Uh, no, I very rarely go to Melbourne. I only go to Melbourne for work purposes. So yep. we've been in Geelong a few times, but we find that Warren Ponds has just about got everything you need. Mate, that is the new Geelong. That's where we uh, locate ourselves for <laughs> shopping and all the rest of it now. I'm not sure why I always think that Warren Ponds was actually dedicated to Shane Warren. I know it's spelled differently, but I love that whole concept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a heap of blokes standing out the front of the shopping centre having, having a durry. Hey, um, Adam, you were born and bred, and you actually were born very close to where I was, uh, Flagstaff Hill. I was born in Blackwood in the Adelaide Hills, that sort of fringe area ah. of the hills. So do you think that yeah. there's something inherent in you that wanted to re- return somewhere that had the trees, that had the sunsets and the views because Flagstaff Hill is a stunning little spot and you get the the big views over Adelaide is there something a little bit South Australian about where you are now well I think Geelong reminds me of Adelaide the city so and where I grew up in Flagstaff Hill we actually backed onto a reserve so and that was a it was probably oh I don't know there wouldn't have been a house behind me for about 30k so I always had plenty of room out the back that we used to take um, Dad's car, bush bash, and we used to take a couple of motorbikes out the back. So I sort of always grew up like that. I actually went to Blackwood High School as well, Jane. So yeah. I used to catch the bus uh, into Blackwood. It's a lovely spot in the hills. Yeah, maybe it was a bit of Geelong feeling like Adelaide and a bit of country coming back to my roots a little bit without having to actually go back to South Australia. Well, you're not allowed to at the moment, so that's good as well. And Adam, I've always wanted to ask you, what would have you done if you hadn't have become a professional footballer? Like, is there something that you would have thought, apart from becoming a professional whippersnipper, whippersnipper. what do you reckon your life would have been like if you hadn't have made it to the big time? Uh, I shudder to think what my life would have been like, (laughs) Jane, if I hadn't played footy. Look, I wasn't a scholar. I didn't quite finish year 12, but... Me and mum sort of bandied together and got year 11 done. But year 12 was too hard for both of us, I think. So yeah. um, I don't. I actually don't know. In terms of skills and hobbies or things I'm passionate about, I haven't done... I was a mortgage broker for a couple of weeks after I finished playing footy. So I did a course while playing, but I realised pretty quickly that the office life wasn't for me. So yeah. um, And being out of work for... 10 or 12 weeks during the COVID isolation stuff, the lockdown, I was getting JobKeeper, so I always knew I'd live off the government at some stage, James. <laughs> oh, thank God lovely. he did play some footy then, Jane. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Of course, and we're so glad that footy is back, even if uh, things are a little bit of a movable feast at the moment. Adam Cooney, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I'm going to make it my purpose to make sure that you and Dale get to catch up for a beer at some point, yeah. because I think there's definitely a lot in common there. So thanks for your yeah. time. Uh, sounds good. Make sure you come down here, Dale. You've got to do some work. You've got to earn your beer. Yeah, you, yeah. All right, mate. I'll bring me tools. Hey, I, I've, I reckon I've got the solution for you. Instead of buying a little um, pony for the for the daughter, why don't you get a, a mule like a donkey and then you can put it to work as well around the property? She won't know nah, the difference, will she? Play on some fields. Yeah. Probably she's sitting on the back of it. She won't mind. Great suggestion, Dale. You're a real thinker, aren't you? And that was Adam Cooney <laughs> on the sport of gardening. I definitely think you two could be mates. Yeah. No, I, I 
I just got a donkey for sale. That's the only reason I brought it up. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me no, if you I had don't. a spare donkey yeah, paddock no, somewhere. <laughs> hey, stick with us because still to come, we are going to speak with one of the garden gurus of this country. Jamie Drury is going to be our guest. And up in a moment, we're going to do some tool reviews. Thanks to Cyclone Tools, built to last a lifetime, and Trojan Tools, tools built tough, available at Bunnings Warehouse. You're listening to the sport of gardening for Cyclone Tools, built to last a lifetime. Trojan, tools built tough, only at Bunnings Warehouse. And Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader. The Sounding Board with Craig Hutchison and Damien Barrett. It's sport, it's the media, it's talking about the issues that matter. Generally, rap that there's an entertainment product on air on the weekends. They haven't played, they haven't trained, they can't get any contact hours, they can't get any of the tactics. There is a risk-averse mentality that the coaches are taking into every game. I think it sends a message to the community. There's a problem here in Victoria that's a little greater than the rest of the country. It could happen anywhere. And by the way, the other states, in my mind, are all acting like they're through the coronavirus, or certainly, in, I think, in some states of Australia. You can't fix this problem. We're not over it. TikTok is the one that is all the rage at the moment. Will they kill it off with this TikTok for business? It's got to stay cool and relevant with kids. You're across TikTok, don't you? You, you told us you were, once were. I thought what I find with kids is you just got to pretend you're across it as much as you can. <laughs> for DrinkWise, stay safe. And if you're choosing to drink, please drink wise. And for Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. The Sounding Board with Hutchie and Damo. Subscribe and listen today wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Sport of Garden with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. And whatever you are up to while you're listening to the Sport of Gardening, we hope you're enjoying it and perhaps even getting out and doing a couple of DIY projects or some work in the garden while you listen to us. Now, each week, Dale Vine does a tool review for us because with everyone getting into their gardens, with everyone doing a whole lot of DIY during ISO, from what I've heard, Dale, mm. hardware stores run off their Oh, they're feet. flat knacker. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're selling more than they ever have before, and it's great. So when you go in to actually buy trade stuff, have you noticed there's a lot of people around? Yeah, it's a bit like supermarkets, um, you know, with toilet paper. You go in the, the <laughs> hardware store and all the good tools are Just panic are buying snapped up. Axes. Yeah, panic buying tools. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this week you are putting a couple of the Trojan tools to the test. Trojan yes. tools, they are tough. They're available at Bunnings Warehouse. And Dale loves them because they come in red and black. A lot of the range is red and black (laughs) in the colour of his beloved bombers. Talk to me about bolt cutters, Dale. Yes, I've got a couple of sets of bolt cutters here, Jane. Um, Bolt cutters are probably a super handy tool to just have uh, in case you need them. But um, obviously not everyone would probably need to own bolt cutters. Um, You'd hoped it's for the right (laughs) reasons, Jane. uh, uh, But yeah... These are great. So I've got a little 200mm um, handheld set here. Um, these can do small wire, so up to 2mm. So you might um, be able to cut through. Uh, if you're doing a little bit of farm fencing or something like that, you'd be able to just whip these out of your pocket rather than carrying something bulky around mm-hmm. and just uh, quickly nip through some wire for that. Um, or any sort of um, you know tensioned wire. They're, they're usually not too thick. Um, so these would be a great little tool just to have in your in your nail bag even that you could fit in there. So normally if you think bolt cutters, you're thinking yeah, a I big Yeah, I think pair. long ones like the yeah. size of the, you know, my forearm. Yep, yep. <laughs> so these ones here are the 450, so these are a bit longer. Um, and these will get through a, a lot 
um, thicker wire. So these will go a six mil diameter, um, and they, these are really handy. So these will still fit in most toolboxes um, compared to a really big set, which would um, be for cutting through some real bulky sort of um, maybe some just chain or something like that, Jane, if you needed to cut chain. So, so would I get through, say, Rio mesh with that? Because Absolutely. I think it's pretty yeah. popular these days to use the um, – which is, of course – mostly used for like concreting and, yeah, and foundations yep. and things, but people use it now mm-hmm. to actually make a really great little frame for say an espalier Definitely. or a climbing vine. Would it get through that? Yeah. So this will cut six mil. So this will okay. cut through your Rio mesh. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's just a great little set. They're not too big. Um, and you know, they're going to get the job done when you feel the weight of them as well. So um, yeah, they're a great little thing and they've got adjustable little, um, uh, knobs on here on the jaw as well, so you can slightly change the um, the angle of the the jaw and the and I suppose the pinching teeth that um, cut through the wire and the chain. So um, yeah, if you're having any troubles, you can quickly little adjust it with a little tool and you'll be good to go. Now you told me you were actually about to go and buy a new I was, yeah, <laughs> bolt cutter. Absolutely. So what do you use them for? So I inherited an old set off my mum's um, uh, old man, Frank, and he had them in his garage. So I've had those for, oh, I've been landscaping for near on, you know, 15 to 18 years now. So I've had that for that long and he's had them for years before that. So they mm. last a long time when you're good get a good quality set. So, um, so yeah, these ones are, are just a handy one. So I, I would recommend getting the 450s if you were going to get a, an everyday set just to have around in case you needed it. So I often find I use them for... Um, for cutting chain and things that I suspend um, things for the kids with. So, um, oh, like the swing got, yeah, set. Swings yeah, swings and things like that. So, um, yeah, with a 450 set, you'd, you'd probably get through one side of the chain and then you, you spin it over and get the other side as well. So, um, yeah, handy little tool and um, a great great thing to own. And you got to love the Trojan Lifetime Warranty. Yeah, well, this is a tool that you really would require a lifetime warranty with as well. So, um, yeah, and if you need to get get into a music festival and, and you haven't bought a ticket, <laughs> <laughs> then don't do that because that's a naughty thing to do, Joe. And I love the fact that you've mentioned, of course, you know, I'm sure people have picked up by now, I do like myself a bit of a vintage tool or something yeah. passed down, possibly because I'm a cheapskate. Yeah. But I love the fact that you've mentioned that you had a set that you were passed down through the family. Yep. So just imagine you can give these Trojan ones Absolutely. to your kids in yeah. 10, and, 20 And red and time. black, Jane, will never go out of fashion, as you know. <laughs> So, um, yeah, what a great set to um, have for many years and then pass on. There you go. It is the bolt cutters, the uh, 200 mil and the 450. Dale reckons you could lean towards the 450. Yep. Trojan Tools, their tools built tough and available at Bunnings Warehouse. And we love reviewing the Trojan and the Cyclone tools each week We here. sure do, Jane. Stick with us. More to come on the Sport of Gardening in just a moment. You're listening to The Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. Don't shoot the messenger with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Great local tips, books, screen food, recommendations. The week that was. We're so used to scheduling our lives around footy. I think the AFL is very frightened that people might just give up on it. It's not really up to us to say we've had enough. It's a pandemic. I think we all patted ourselves on the back and thought, yahoo, we've done well. He replied via email, 
grouse exclamation. <laughs> I haven't said grouse, grouse since the Halebury fate in 1975, I reckon. It's just chaos, Karen, the AFL. It's chaos because of Victoria, really, and because state premiers don't want Victorian football teams coming into their states. Um, made further chaotic by player unrest. For Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. Become best friends with Caro and Corrie. Subscribe and listen today wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Sport of Garden with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. You're on the sport of gardening, of course. This show, inspired by the fact that when a worldwide pandemic hit, what we noticed was not only sports people, but a whole lot of people started getting out into their backyards, started doing some DIY projects. And suddenly home has become, I think, a lot more of a focus for many people, Dale, don't you think? Oh, absolutely, Jane. And uh, one of the people that I know from his Instagram did get back into his backyard and, and has a passion for it, but obviously doesn't find the time to do it all all the time, was uh, one of our good mates, Jamie Jury. Yes, of course. Jamie Jury is an award-winning international designer and author. Look, he's won multiple awards. He's worked in the US. He's got a business that, uh, Jury Design, that focuses on multidisciplinary design practice, things like architecture, interior design, landscaping. And, of course, you're going to recognise him from TV. You will have known him from... Backyard Blitz, yep. from The Block, and more recently from House Rules. I, he makes me exhausted just thinking about all the projects he's got on the go. He's Jamie everywhere. Jury, did you get at least a bit of a rest during COVID? <laughs> you know what? I didn't, and I loved every minute of it. I was back in that garden in no time. <laughs> and I saw you added to the family I, I, as well, I mate. Say, I did. Can you can you hear the little rascal? I can uh, hear Luna back there. Uh, yeah, climbing it at my feet. Good. <laughs> 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 well done. Yes. Well, Luna's now got a boyfriend, Chuck. And instead of chewing my my new RM Williams, they're now chewing each other. Oh, well, that's brilliant. good. Yeah, uh, very good. <laughs> and Jamie, do you agree with the concept that you know suddenly, due to what is essentially a really horrible worldwide pandemic, it was a chance for people to discover their own backyards again and the pleasure they find in even just the most simple of gardens? It just amazes me, actually, because to be honest, every nursery I talked to, they said this is the busiest we've been in 20 years. Um, one nursery said that their revenue is like three times what it normally is uh, for this time of year. So I, there, there really was a huge return to garden. And uh, look, I, I don't think it's just about the fact that we were forced to stay at home. I, I actually think that, you know, when we're faced with sort of, I guess, uh, fear and, and uncertainty, there, there is this intrinsic connection to the garden and, and we're drawn to it, you know? Yeah, I don't we, think we, people ever lost their passion for gardening, Jamie. I reckon they just were time poor. That's like in the everyday life. So when everybody got told to go into lockdown and they had nothing to do at home, I think it was just a natural thing to get back out and do it again because that's something that they always enjoyed as kids as well. Oh, totally, yeah. And I think um, our parents certainly, in my during my early years, uh, took me out in the garden quite a lot. My mum was a, a super keen gardener, but I don't think she realised that she had planted a seed in me that didn't really germinate until much later on in life for me, uh, after I'd studied horticulture. But, um, you know, once you've got the bug, it just never leaves you. Mm. 
Hey, Jamie, I heard a rumour that you actually spent a bit of time in the Pilbara when you were growing up. There wouldn't have been many lush gardens there, would there? <laughs> I actually grew up in, uh, in Tom Price in the Pilbara, and I can remember my mum growing a fantastic rose garden in red dirt, and I was raised on powdered milk, and there wasn't a lot of water, but, uh, you know, the, rose, the roses uh, were still blooming. Yep. It's hard to find those cows that make powdered milk too, isn't it? <laughs> now, it is. <laughs> now, Jamie, after years of being based between here and the US, and look, you know, it's it's that incredible story that Oprah kind of plucked you out of the Australian scene and took you over to the US, and things just went from strength to strength from there. Have you decided to call Australia home now a bit more permanently? And, of course, you can't even go back to places in the US at the moment. It must be very strange. Oh, yeah. Look, I I couldn't be happier um, being back on Australian soils full-time now. Um, I mean, I've I've always kept a home here and a residence um, and, you know, flitting back and forward for, I guess, 12 years just became a bit exhausting, to be honest. And, um, I mean, I'm grateful. I had an incredible career in the U.S. and, and, uh, look, still doing little projects here and there, but... Oh, look, I just love being home now and I love being back in Australia and amongst my friends and family and uh, with these two little pups. And it's just it's just a very, very different world here, you know, and we, I think you don't really uh, understand the, the gravity of it until you go away and come back to it, you know, just how special this country is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if he's getting pups, Jane, he's settled. That's what I reckon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Not not going to be doing a Johnny Depp and trying to smuggle pups across uh, international borders. We hope. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think he makes a little more than me. I, I don't. I don't flit around in a private jet. <laughs> now, Jamie, describe to us the place you're in right now. So, which part of Australia you're in, and and what sort of a yard do you have? What sort of a place you're in? I'm in um, Palm Beach, which is sort of the uh, on the Pittwater side of the Palm Beach Avalon headland. So I face west, and I am on the water so we do get some salt winds but most of what I've planted recently well I did I did bring in two big macrosamia moriais from uh, far north Queensland they came from just outside of Rockhampton from a salvaged area mm-hmm. I brought in Xanthoria glaucas some beautiful big 150 year old ones tons of proteas tons of grevilleas a lot of Callistamin, Callistamin Little Johns, uh, Lamandra Tanika, a whole range of Grevilleas, uh, Grevillea Tambourine, Grevillea Perinda Royal Mantle, because I love the way they scramble across the ground. So a mix of, of natives and exotics, but 90% native, yeah. Yeah. How good are Grevillea at the moment, Jane? They're flowering everywhere, looking unreal. Oh, and the birds oh, yeah. that are attracted to them in the gardens that I've been yeah. seeing. It's just so lovely to have that little bird attractor in your garden. Yeah. And I think, look, with the decline of the bee population, you know, particularly after our bushfires, we've got to find a better way to babysit the bees Mm. whilst our forests regenerate. I mean, some of those flowering gums will take up to three decades to to come back to its normal state. Yeah. So... You know, the more polystemonous plants we can put into our garden in terms of calistamins, you know, uh, grevilleas and so forth, the better because, you know, we, we've got to increase the, the bee population. It's not just the overuse of chemicals over the last 100 years. It's, it's also the fires. Yep. Do it for the bees.
Do it for the bees. Build yourself a bee or an insect hotel. Now, Jamie, I can hear that you are so passionate about these things and, and something that actually I wasn't aware of, very familiar with your TV work and your design work, even your furniture design. I didn't actually realise that you were just so passionate about sustainability. So tell me about Jamie Drury's Groundswell, which you sort of describe as a global platform for inspiring sustainable change in the world. This is a pretty big project, but it's very close to your heart. Yeah, look, it is. I I think, you know, so what we do is we find Groundswell really was birthed out of the fact that I I think there has been this huge return to the environment and there has been um, such a deep passion to learn more about climate change and and uh, and and how we can preserve. I mean, we've we've lost somewhere around 27 species here in Australia, um, and you know there there are there are 32 of the state flowers and trees in the US have actually moved out of their state of origin further north because of climate change. You know, they're they're not surviving in their their normal states of origin. Mm. It's a problem. And and, and we're we're seeing all the indications everywhere. But there are some some brilliant people doing fantastic things all over the world. And Groundswell was something that we built purely to give oxygen to, to some of those great environmental initiatives and projects. So we find people doing great things. Uh, it's a feel-good website. Uh, you know, we, we stream a whole range of videos from there as well. Um, it's on Instagram. You can go to Groundswell uh, or Jamie Jury's Groundswell. And, uh, and yeah, we, we shed some light on, on some people doing some fabulous things all over the world. For people at home, we do talk a bit about sustainability. Dal and I are, you know, really into using recycled products and looking for locally made things if you've got the budget and the options. What would you recommend, Jamie, someone who's got a bit of a yard, maybe doing a bit of DIY, where should you sort of focus your efforts when it comes to sustainability? Because it can be pretty overwhelming. Oh, look, I think it all starts with, with your power switch, really. I mean, you know, everyone can make the decision to switch to green energy. That's number one. Changing your light globes through to energy-efficient light globes, number two. Look at bringing solar into your, uh, into your home, uh, number three. And, and look, uh, the, the hot water systems are really the second biggest carbon emitter of everyone's home. So, you know, changing that to at least solar or, or even using an inline system like Rinai um, can be a fabulous way of not boiling 100 litres of water all day when you're only using 10 of it for your shower, you know? Yep. Um, just simple tips like that, I think, are really important. Yep. The Geelong Council actually um, did something pretty cool and they've got a, a, a mob in Geelong that have come up with a, an asphalt that's made from recycled plastic now. So now Geelong Council, whenever they do a road or a footpath, they use this recycled plastic wow. asphalt, which is pretty cool, yeah. Another perfect story for Groundswell. I love it. There you go, yep. Are there other projects like that that come to mind, Jamie, that you've discovered that you're like, I didn't know this was even happening and how do we tell the world about it? There are. I mean, you scratch the surface. There's so many people doing great things all over the world. You know, to be honest, there's a lot going on here in Australia. And most of the, uh, of the environmental initiatives, the Climate Council do a fantastic job. Um, you know, if you get onto their website and have a look at some of their projects, they're doing some amazing things. Uh, but I, look, I think it's everywhere, really. It can be as small as just, you know, a school kid making a stance right through to environmental juggernauts like Al Gore um, with the Climate Reality Project, which is where I first 
trained in Melbourne 12 years ago. And do you feel as though you've, you know, 12 years ago when you were thinking about some of these concepts, people were probably like, that was quite alternative or a little bit fringy. But nowadays, everyone understands the urgency, I think. Most people, I shouldn't say everyone, we've got some uh, doubters there. But is it great to see these kind of concepts come into the mainstream? Yeah, look, it is. It's, it's amazing. I think, to be honest, when we first started working on the Climate Reality Project, it used to be called the Climate Change Project. And of course, you know, years have gone by now. It's now called the Climate Reality Project just because of the sheer change. I think it's at the forefront of most people's minds now, Jane. And, and as a fellow landscaper, Jamie, I know a lot of people have the knowledge now that they, they don't mind paying a little bit extra to know that some of the, the products and materials that you use for a job um, that I do are more sustainable and might be a recycled um, material like timber or something that I can use that obviously costs a bit more money because they've got to salvage it from somewhere and, and put a few man hours into um, getting it ready to be used again. But, yeah, I think people are a lot more prone to um, accepting that now and doing the right thing, so it's great. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Now, Jamie, when it comes to the TV work, of course, uh, you wrapped things up on House Rules a couple of months ago. Anything on the horizon for you, or are you just really taking time to work on Groundswell, do your own projects, and, and just relax a little more than you might have in the last few years? <laughs> no, no, look, there's always uh, there's always new shows on the horizon. I was in the network just yesterday actually chatting about um, three, four new projects. And, look, Seven's been uh, incredibly forward-thinking, I think, during this whole COVID experience. And uh, we were lucky enough to get House Rules uh, finished just before the lockdown. Yep. Um, so, look, there's, there's, there's all sorts of talk about next season. Um, there's talk about uh, a couple of new shows. Uh, there's even talk about garden. There you go. What, what about yeah. Jamie's puppy school? Is that coming soon too, mate? Or yeah. <laughs> I don't know that that's ever going to happen. <laughs> um, uh, I don't. I don't, I don't know that I'm the best at toilet training, but they get there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and are they having uh, going to town on all those beautiful plants you mentioned in the garden, or are they slightly restricted? And uh, is there digging happening, Jamie? <laughs> um, well, look, Luna chewed the entire head off a philodendron xanadu the other day. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wasn't very, I wasn't very happy about that. And my my daughter sent out some flowers for my birthday. Uh, and she, and I woke up this morning and she's uh, she's chewed the heads off all the dahlias. So um, you know, oh, she's got good taste. She's got good taste. Yeah, mate. she does. <laughs> uh, oh, very good. Hilarious. And what's the next project for you in the backyard? Is there anything that needs doing? I feel like it's a, it's really well taken care of already. But is there just that little jobs list to do? Um, look, there's always something to do. I think it's it's really about now. It's just about mulching and waiting for spring to uh, to come out. I've been I've been throwing a ton of sea salt in there, and um, and just you know I guess making sure that uh, ever the soil's really well insulated um, through these extreme colds. Mm. Fantastic. Well, Jamie, thank you so much. Thanks for uh, sharing a bit of time with us on the sport of gardening. And, of course, if you want to find about out about Jamie Jury's Groundswell, head to the website, all the Ws, jamiejurygroundswell.com, and you can find him on Instagram as well. We'll let you get back to the puppies, Jamie. Thank you so much. <laughs> 
Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Jamie Drury there. Dale, I've got to admit, I have watched him on TV since I was rather young, and yeah. that's a bit of a thrill. Oh, right. For me, too, because <laughs> I, um, my mum always gave me a Jamie Drury book for Christmas for about five years in a row. He wrote a lot of books. So. He has got an enormous back catalogue of books, which I'm sure you can still find online yeah. or in a great local bookstore. Did you notice how I didn't ask him about being in the Chippendales, the male Oh, stri- very well controlled, strippers? Jane. Yeah, you can keep your... Um, <laughs> Posters in your bedroom to, to yourself. I I'm think. actually going to dob in my older sister, Karina, who lives in Mount Barker in the Adelaide Hills, because she used to have the wall size poster wow. of the Chippendales. And I think it was one of the first kind of blokey posters I ever saw as there a young you lady. Yeah. <laughs> It was a real thrill to have Jamie with us on the show. Up in just a moment, another question of the week, and this time it's from Gavin in Croydon. Stay with us. We're doing it all thanks to Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Switch to Aussie-owned Red Energy today. And as you heard Jamie Drury saying, you know, the energy your house uses is a great place to start. If you want to be a little bit more sustainable, call Red Energy. You're listening to The Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine and Jamie. And whether you're listening to us via podcast or right around Australia on SEN or SEN Track on a Sunday morning, great to have you with us on The Sport of Gardening. Hope you've had the chance to get out and do a little bit of gardening or DIY yourself. Of course, Dale Vine is with me, the author of Dale Vine's Outdoor Reno Guide, Transform Your Garden on Any Budget. I have to admit, Dale has been next to my bedside table for a while. So many great little tricks and tips and projects for people to do. Yeah, it's a great little (laughs) book to hold your um, tissue box as well, Jane, (laughs) next to the bed. (laughs) All right, we have a question for you, which, of course, if you do want to ask Dale a question, you can just email us, feedback at sportofgardening.com.au. This one is from Gavin in Croydon, which I think is in uh, Melbourne. Dale, I saw your amazing crazy paving work on Instagram. I've done paving paving before, but not crazy paving. What's your best advice on how to tackle a crazy paving job? So firstly, Dale, just explain to listeners who may not kind of understand what we're talking about. You can go to your Instagram and check it out. What's crazy paving? Uh, it's basically using uh, random stones so that it's it's not uniform. They're not all in rectangular shape like or a square that you get normal pavers in. Uh, it's natural stone, so it's just whatever shape sort of comes out of the quarry when it splits. So, uh, yeah, you can get a lot of nice different products. There's bluestone, limestone, uh, sandstone, quartzes. Um, yeah, really nice, um, beautiful stone, which obviously always comes up very nice to look at. So for Gavin, who wants to have a crack has yep. got some sort of experience. And I'm assuming all of the sort of setup is the same, that you mm-hmm. need a really nice level flat with some, what do you call Your it? Base, Gravel yeah. base. So, <laughs> so yeah, I always tend to do crazy paving on, on a concrete base. I never really attempt it on crushed rock. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's a good anymore. start. I mean, you can, and okay. I have done it in the past, but um, just due to the form of it, it's just it's just tends to crack a bit more through the, to, through the grout lines uh, if there's movement in the ground. So you're better off. If you're going to put down something nice like crazy paving with some, some nice natural stone, you might as well get the base yeah, pretty solid. Okay, so get a good base, Gavin, and possibly look into making sure it's actually a concrete base. Yep. In terms of actually laying out yeah. all the bits of stone, because yep. it is crazy, they're all completely 
different. It is crazy, yeah. How do you approach that? Because the work I saw that you've done recently is stunning, but it's like doing a jigsaw. It must have taken you so long. Yeah, it's a bit more involved than just your standard paving. I suppose the only if he's if he's got some skills in paving already and he knows how to um, mix up mud and put down a paver and and use his level and and get it all nice, then um, the real difference. Uh, with it is, I suppose, is just getting the layout of it. So what I always do with crazy paving is you get your pack of stone that comes, you you open your pack up, and instead of like when you've got square or rectangular pavers, you usually just, you know what shape they're going to be, so you can just start straight away and get your string lines in for your nice straight edges. But then with crazy paving, you, you open the whole pack up, get every piece out, and then you start <laughs> spreading it out on the area that you're going to pave and, and getting the pattern looking good. So you obviously get a lot of different sizes um, throughout a pack because it's natural stone. Um, so, yeah, you got, you don't want to sort of get all the ones off the top of the pack and put them in the same area and then your pack gets smaller and smaller uh. in size or, or a bit bigger <laughs> at the bottom as well. So you want to see everything that's in there and then you get the best pattern possible. So you do a dry lay to start with without any mud or mortar and then once it looks good, you can just individually pick them up and put them down again with mud. And I hope you've got a lot of time, Gavin, because it sounds like... It's a bit more intensive time-wise, yeah, but the results are there. I mean, it always looks special at the end and it's a bit more artistic than your standard paving, yeah. Fantastic. Well, Gavin, I hope that has helped. A little school holiday idea that I had for the kids while Mm -hmm. we're here, I recommend planting something in an old gumboot or an old pair of shoes. Kids love it. I love it too, yeah. You can get them to paint the gumboots or the shoes or just go to the op shop if you haven't got a pair. get an old work boot. That would look cool. <laughs> but little succulents and, and small little plants, for some reason, kids just love it. It's like a little magical part of the garden. So yep. there is my school holiday tip if you've still got the kids home. Dale, thank you so much. Thank you, Jane. No, very nice. And, of course, you can join us next week on The Sport of Gardening or if you're listening via podcast, hey, why not tell a friend about the show and rate and review us, if you like, wherever you're listening to your podcast so that we can <laughs> you know, get more people to listen to us. Yeah, be kind. <laughs> If you've got a question for Dale, email feedback at sportofgardening.com.au. And we do it all thanks to Cyclone Tools, make premium gardening products, and they have been doing that for over 100 years. And thanks to Red Energy. They're owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader. We'll talk to you next week on The Sport of Gardening. You're listening to The Sport of Gardening for Cyclone Tools, built to last a lifetime. Trojan, tools built tough only at Bunnings Warehouse. And Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader. If you love an insightful podcast, Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series is for you. Cooking, enjoy Tuesday with Ash Pollard. Really, the people around here truly lived farm to table. I know it's trendy now, but it was necessity back then. The parents, Mum Plus One with Joe Stanley. At the height of coronavirus lockdown, I gave up on all screen time restrictions. Powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy, switch to Aussie-owned Red Energy today. Red Energy's lifestyle podcast available from your podcast provider and the SEN app.